All right. So as we begin here, I want to have you be thinking about a little bit as you look back to your story and journey with Jesus, looking at the beginning, when you first came to call on the name of Jesus. Just asking you to think about that, reflect on that. Like, and asking some of the questions, like how, how old were you when that happened, when you first called in the name of the Lord? What was going on? What happened? Who, who shared with you? Maybe it was someone who shared with you. Was it a parent, a friend, a teacher, um, a camp speaker? What's going on? What did you hear? And then what was the response when you first came to know the Lord and first called on his name? And my heart in having you think about that for yourself personally, uh, this morning here, as we look into the scripture, in order for us to, to go to that place of, of, of receiving and understanding Paul's challenge and call to us, we got to know our own story of being called to salvation, of when we first knew the name of the Lord. Then we're going to be able to respond rightly to being sent ones, as we are all sent ones. The scripture that we read this morning says at the end there, those with beautiful feet who bring good news. That is who you are in Jesus. But it's a matter of, do you know Jesus first? Okay. So think about that for yourself. What's your story? I want to hear some of that and share with people when you first came to know the Lord. It's vivid. And some people, some of y'all are really saved. You know the exact date of when you were saved. You could tell me October whatever, 20-something rather. No, that's awesome. I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful thing to know those dates, right? To know this is when I met the Lord, when I called on him, when I understood his message and understood who he is. And I said yes to, to Jesus being my Lord and Savior. And so I'm not going to go into the scripture a whole lot this morning because it's, it's pretty straightforward, but I'm briefly going to touch on it. And then what I'm going to do this morning is mainly share stories of how this has been lived out stories that have impacted my own life and stories hopefully that may encourage you and challenge you as well as you consider this passage. So as we see there, Paul lays out, hey, we are all in need of salvation. We are all in need to call on the name of the Lord. Whether you're Jew or you're Greek, we are all in need of salvation. And that salvation is found in Jesus alone. And how does that begin, right? We come to salvation by first calling on the name of the Lord. We have to call on his name, specifically him. Not on some other God, not on some other name, Jesus. Jesus is the one who saves us and brings us into right relationship. Okay? He's the one who grants us salvation. But then Paul follows this logic where he works backwards from that, all right? So that's the finality of when we call on his name, receive salvation. But he's like, okay, hold up. In order for you to even get to the place of being able to call on the name of Jesus, first, there has to be belief, Right? He asked a question. He, he asked questions. He says, how can they call on his name then? How can you and I call on his name if we had not first believed in him? Meaning understanding who he is, what he's done, that he's the one who come, right, to redeem us, and he's the one who's died and been raised again. There is no other. We have to believe that and truly trust that in order to even call on his name for salvation. We can't otherwise. But then before even getting to belief, Paul says, hold up. Before you can even believe, we got to hear. Got to hear the message of the gospel. Okay? And this hearing, oftentimes when Scripture talks about hearing, it's not just a, I'm sitting here, I'm taking in things with my ears, but a hearing that actually leads you to respond to what you heard. 
right? There's action that comes with it. It's not just words through here and here, but taking action to respond to what you've heard, okay? Because if salvation, if uh, uh, responding to the gospel was just a matter of healing, we, we can truly say that our nation is a saved nation or it's a Christian nation or whatever other nation or whatever other group of people. But as it is, it's not just that. There's a hearing that creates a response. And so in order to believe, you got to hear. But Paul says, well, wait, wait, wait a minute, right? Before they can hear, someone has to preach. Someone has to share the message of the good. Okay? Which means that there needs to be someone who is a herald. The, word, the Greek word for this someone preach means a herald, means someone who's sent to make an announcement, right? To say, this has happened. Believe in this. This is what has come to you. And oftentimes, as Christians, we can disconnect. So it's not just about me giving a sermon or Pastor Scott or Pastor Jose or so-called maybe elite Christians, right? Speaking up here or speaking a message to a large group. No. It's making that announcement. It's testifying to the work of Jesus. But then in order to even preach, right, someone has to be sent. Someone has to go. And then he finishes by saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring that good news. Now, those who are sent, of course, are the authoritative teachers, Paul talking about himself, the apostles, but ultimately he's talking about church, the church, but they're not just the church. He's talking about every Christian as a whole is called to the same mission. It's not just some Christians. We are called to be sent once who preach the gospel in order that people may hear, in order that they may believe, in order that they may call on the name of the Lord. This is what our lives are supposed to be about. This is what we are invited into. How beautiful are the feet of those who are sent. You are those beautiful feet if you know Jesus and have trusted in him. Because this good news has had an impact and it's worked in your own life. And therefore, we want to make it known to others. There is no news, good news like this. There was none before and there will be none after. That God would come in person, in the person of Jesus, die in our place, pay my debt and your debt of sin, right, that you and I can never pay. Newsflash, the debt of sin that you and I got, we can never pay. It's not enough riches in the world. It's Jesus. It takes Jesus to do that. And so because that has happened in us, and then and, and that he's made us sons and daughters in his kingdom forever. Right? Not just in this moment. That's the good news that has worked itself in our lives and in our hearts. Amen? If that good news has impact in your life, there's only one response. I got to tell somebody else. I got to share it. I got to go and make it known. That this has happened to me. And so, really, that's, that's what Paul is breaking down here in this passage. So now I want to share a couple, uh, just some stories with you of how this scripture has been lived out. Um, and just so you can hear and maybe be encouraged by, by some of these stories. So let's go to that first picture. Perfect. All right. 
This first guy is, is a guy by the name of Harvey Hoekstra. Harvey Hoekstra is a native Minnesotan, born up in the uh, kind of St. Cloud area by Maple Lake, Minnesota. Harvey Hoekstra grew up in a Christian home, five brothers on small acreage, and he came to know the Lord at the age of 15, or 14, I should say. By the age of 15, he was diagnosed with an illness where he was in the hospital for months and uh, was due to possibly die from the illness. But Harvey made a promise to the Lord that if the Lord were to save him or heal him because he had heard another farmer share a testimony about his son, that he would serve the Lord as a preacher of the gospel to the ends of the nations. So a couple decades later, um, having made that promise, Harvey would pursue some formal training and education uh, at Hope College in Holland, Michigan, and then eventually Western Seminary as well in Michigan in preparation for going into the ministry and going to the mission field. Now, Harvey would meet his wife, Lavina, uh, at Hope College there, and as they began their journey together into what the Lord has called them to do. Never in their minds had they thought about, you know, they thought they would be missionaries to somewhere like Japan, uh, but Africa never crossed their minds. In those days, Africa was kind of the dark continent. It was untouchable. Not many people went unless you really knew that this is where the Lord wanted you to go. But that all would all change in 1946, when Harvey Hoekstra, in a meeting, would hear uh, what he describes as a redhead, rash, religious Presbyterian missionary. How would you like to be described like that, huh? <laughs> but anyway, Harvey was speaking of a man by the name of Don McClure. Don McClure had come to Harvey's seminary, and he was sharing about uh, the ministry that he was about to start and what God had called them to do, the work to do in Africa, among a people called the Anyuak. And as Harvey is hearing Don speak, the Lord moves in his heart. He just knew that this is where they were supposed to go, that this is what he wanted to do. So the only thing that he could possibly do, I mean, besides run out of that building, is speed in his 1932 Ford pickup truck to get home. And as he is speeding and driving, he's thinking through what he would say to Lavina, right? Or how he would say to her, honey, we're going to Africa. That's not a statement you just drop on somebody, right? You really got to think through that, and the Spirit's really got to be leading in that. <laughs> so luckily, the Spirit was leading, um, and they were called to go. Later on, Harvey would name his autobiography, Honey, We're Going to Africa. Check it out. It's a pretty neat story. Um, after, so after finishing seminary, going through their formal training, the, the Hoekstras then were ready in 1948 to, to head to Africa where the Lord had called them. And so they spent two weeks on the ocean to get to the, to the shores of the continent of Africa, and then probably about another two weeks on ferries and steamers and all kinds of things to finally get to Akoba where they would be serving. The journey takes them nearly a month. Think about 27 days, I think is what he said. So just to get to this place. But then they finally make it to a Kobo near the Ethiopian border. Um, and they begin to live among the Anyak people. The Hoekstras would experience challenges in terrain, as naturally so, in weather, in language, in relationships, and so much more. But they knew they were called by God to be ministers of the gospel among the Anyuak people who at that point had never heard the gospel and had no access to the scriptures. 
And eventually, it would take some time as they're doing this work for the first, for the first group of people to actually come to be believers and be baptized and trust in Jesus. Eventually, many more would come to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they would be baptized as well. Some of the folks that were included in that would be, would be one of the kings as well as a witch doctor. Right. Just kind of experiencing in, in traditional cultural things there. Baptisms got dicey sometimes, right? So they, they, they baptized people in the local uh, river, and uh, the crocodiles would come out as well. You know? So you, you really had to know that you were committed to Jesus because you, you, <laughs> you might have been seeing them that same day. Okay? So, and some of the folks sometimes had to pray kind of the prayer of Daniel, Lord, would you shut the mouths of these crocodiles, right? <laughs> in order to be, to be baptized and put your faith and trust in Jesus. But they experienced so much fruit through the work of the Lord among the Anuak people. They would also train up young men and women for the ministry um, who would later go on to, to have such an impact. But Harvey's passion and heart would, was to translate the Bible into the Anuak language. The scriptures was not available in the language. As you see in the picture there is Harvey working with an Anuak translator as he began this work in 1950. He would receive the first five copies of the Anuak New Testament on the last plane in 1962 as they're being evacuated out of Sudan as the government expelled them and kicked out all the missionaries. And as they are leaving... And the leaders received these words from them. They had these words to say. We do not know why our government has asked you to leave our country. But we want you to know you have given us this very precious gift from God. His own word in our language. Amen. Not everybody has access to the scriptures. But when they do, how the Lord meets us with himself through that. Others would continue this work of Bible translation, and eventually the Anuak Bible, Old and New Testament, would be completed in 2012. That was when it was finally finished. And I actually hold before you here one of those Bibles. It's what I've been reading out of in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to read you the same scripture that I started with in Romans 10, 11 through 15 as it became available in this language to the Anuak people when it wasn't before. So would you hear these words? Romans 10, or Rome 10, Apar Tialopakochel, Tialopar Tialopakochel, Kedapako Beach. Keperu will drug ukone ngatu jikeni, nengatgo viebalai. Keperu bunga jenye taki jojud, kejau, Mopata Jojud. Keper Unogona Chelano, Bay Wagi Bed. Nejab Quaromoe, Natod Uwe Omege, Jo Charninge Bed. Keperji Ben Mo Charninge, Woe Gedepiamo. O Charning Woe Gedepiamo. Budji, Ninga Degetuola Nidi. Nad Mukurgio Ningad Gigo. Nad Degigo Gio Ningad Gigo Nidi. Ngad mulume kergi wunyo bara bara. Alume adegigo wunyo nidi. Nebungat mokopko. Aji adegipo nidi. Nenangmuge kerjango. Ka wan managori na. Ateng onyo. Ateng onyo no. 
onyango neberen ne neberen jojo okop lumanyanemet how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news the hoxtras would go to serve the anyak people in ethiopia as well as many other tribes and then finally coming home to work on an audio bible making the scriptures accessible to people who would otherwise would not have access to it. Because though the scriptures were written in the language, many people still couldn't even read it. But they can at least hear it in their language to be able to understand this God that we serve, this good God who has come to save us and give us relationship with himself. You can go on to the next. Shifting stories here, as I mentioned earlier, uh, through their work, an important piece of it uh, for, for the hoax trust as well as Don McClure was to raise up other leaders among the Anyak people. And one of the first ones to become a believer and to be raised up is a man by the name of Akwai. And his picture is up before you and his wife, Didumo. So Akwai came to trust in Jesus by reading one of the first, uh, uh, one of the first scriptures, the, the epistle of 1 John in Anyak as it was finished. He was taught to read by his uh, Norwegian banker, uh, that he was serving. And then eventually, then the missionaries would call up Akwai as was. He was affirmed by the rest of the church. Like, who, who could be an evangelist? Or who among you would go do the work of an evangelist to make the gospel known? They're like, is there anybody else but Akwai? Right? In typical Anyak fashion. Like, is there anybody? That's how they say it. It's not just, oh, choose Akwai. No, is there anyone else like Akwai? Um, and so uh, he, w- he would respond to the gospel and, and God would be so faithful to work through this man's life for over 60 years and bear fruit among the Anyak people. And decades later, there would be another young man that would be raised up by the, by the name of Omar. And Omar would go and share the gospel in a small village. Where a 10-year-old by the name of Jay would hear the gospel for the first time. Jay is my father, and he's a first-generation Christian. And he now is a minister, a preacher of the gospel as well, among Anyak and Sudanese people, back home before we came and here in the States as well. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Amen? Amen can go to the next one. These folks you might be a little bit more familiar with, huh? Do you know them? Yeah. Yep. So decades later, here we are. Here I am, uh, South Sudanese boy, refugee that the Lord brought to the States. Allows me to be a, a beautiful, amazing woman from South Dakota. And he puts in our hearts a desire. If you know our story overseas and serve people as well. And so many of you know our story, know our journey. Uh, this coming July, we'll be headed to Kenya, northern Kenya and Marsabeth. You can go to the next one there with the map. Leah, thank you. Uh, where we'll get to serve as part of a Bible school and share some of this legacy that we've experienced that have come through in some of these stories because of the impact of missionaries on the tribe and how that has impacted on our lives. And now we get to do that uh, for, for some Kenyan people in northern Kenya where we get to be with them and raise them up, train them, resource them, equip them, and send them out so they can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They can be beautiful feet to their own people and see kingdom work bear fruit. You can go to the next one. 
So yeah, we'll be part of a Bible school. There's a picture of uh, uh, one of the gentlemen who'll be on our team and a group of students that he trained up through the Bible school in Marcevet called the Northern Bible Training Center uh, that we'll get to be a part of there. And we're pretty excited about that. And we're so thankful for you guys as our church body, sending us, praying for us, and just even give an update because you guys have been with us on this journey of getting ready to go as far as where we're at, being prepared to go. And so as far as the financial side of things, we are at 100% for our one-time and 90% for our monthly um, giving there. And so, yeah, praise God for that, um, getting us closer to being able to go and be in Kenya and serve in Kenya this July with our family. No, you can go ahead and go to the next one there. All right. So what about all these stories, right? Great. You know, the hoaxers, they went to Africa. Awesome. Okay. Uh, quiet. He served faithfully for 20 years. So Mud went to the village. Friday's dad came to know Jesus. Here's Friday and Karen and their kiddos are going to go to Kenya. What about you? All right. As we considered hearing this passage, I really want you to think seriously about yourself. Are you one maybe who Jesus is calling and maybe he wants to send you somewhere overseas? doesn't have to be Kenya. You're more than welcome. <laughs> but um, is there, is the Lord working on your heart to send you out somewhere into the world overseas where you can be beautiful feet who bring good news? And even if it's not overseas, again, as Christians, this is our lives. We've been called to be sent once. May I remind you that here in Worthington, in Adrian, in Rushmore, in Bigelow, the surrounding areas, there are those who have yet to call on the name of the Lord. Do we know that? Yeah. So there's a need for you, for believers, to be here testifying both by word and by our lives that people may see Jesus in us. So if the Lord is possibly calling you overseas, surrender to him. Even if you don't know where, how, when. And if it's not overseas, what has the Lord called you to here and now? Let's get a renewed sense of mission. Has there been distractions or have we just not known where to go about those things, right? Because those who have not called the name of Jesus are where? They're next door to you. They're across the street from you. They're in the pew next to you or in the same office or share an office. They're in your schools in your community, in the local Walmart, Hy-Vee, wherever you prefer to shop, they're in both places. <laughs> Opportunities to share Jesus. In your family, there are those of you here who've had family members who do not know Jesus. You've been praying for him for a long time, talking to him for a long time. Let's continue to be faithful and endure in that. Continue to be beautiful feet and allow the Lord to be the one who does that work, who will do that work to bring people to himself. Who is it that needs to hear? In order that they may call or in order that they may believe and then call on the name of the Lord in your circle, in your life? Will you be the one to make that announcement or testify to Jesus? Will you be those with beautiful feet who bring good news? 
And then oftentimes when we consider this again, it's so easy for us to deflect and think, oh, they, they can do it. You know, there's those, those guys. Somehow we, we, we categorize people. These are the elite Christians who can do this. No, the call is for all of us. And so if you consider yourself so insignificant that God can't use you, I want to share as I close here, get ready to close, this last quote by Harvey Holkstra. And it's in the book that I shared about. And this is what Harvey kept before himself. And it's how he wanted to live out his life. God could wield a mighty blow with a crooked stick. And God can swing a very large door on a small hinge. Yeah. So even if you feel like a broken stick, God can use you. Or if you feel as small as a hinge, no matter how small that hinge is, it can move a door. Mighty door. God can do that. God can use you. He wants to use you. In your family, in the schools here, in the communities here, or somewhere overseas. So be it. I'm going to invite the worship team up here as we close, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you all to stand with me, please. And we're just going to pray before we sing the next song. Take some time here to pray. A couple things I want us to consider praying about, and you may all be at different places. First and foremost, I I just want to extend that invitation of, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't recognize that you need Him, come to know Him now. And if you want to respond to that, Jesus, to be your Lord and Savior, to be forgiven of your sin, to be made right with God, that should be your first prayer. And if you want me to pray with you or grab someone to pray with you here in this body, there's a lot of believers. If you came with someone... Ask them to pray with you. I want to talk with you at the end. Otherwise, for the rest of you who may not be at this place, I want you to consider praying about, Lord, would you have me go somewhere? Do you want to send me somewhere? To share the gospel and be part of the work of the kingdom. And be ready to surrender to that. And then, for others of you, asking the question, Lord, who would you have me, who would you send me to? And actually, with this specific prayer, I want you guys to ask God, give me a name, give me a face, give me a picture. And that's going to be my prayer for you, of someone that God would put on your heart, that maybe it hasn't been on your heart for a long time or ever, that they would come to call on the name of Jesus and believe. Be praying about that and pray about them specifically and how the Lord may use you or send you to share that good news with them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are and how you're working. God, we do pray right now in this congregation, first and foremost, would you move in hearts? For anyone in here and for those in here who have not trusted in you, Jesus, would you reveal yourself as Lord and Savior? Would you convict of sin that there would be repentance from sin in order that they can respond to your gift of salvation? To come to know you, to be made a son and daughter. And Lord, I pray that nothing, not themselves, Not people in this place, not any uh, spiritual things would hinder that from happening. Because God, you have accomplished that work on the cross and nothing can hinder it from taking hold of our hearts. Except our own rejection of it. But you are not far. Draw near to anyone who would need to receive that work of salvation. Lord, I pray for those who may be contemplating, considering, maybe you've been speaking to their hearts for a long time and they didn't know what to do with it, for them to go somewhere, to be sent somewhere. 
if that be overseas or that be somewhere else in, in our nation and in our state, where they may do the work of the gospel. Lord, move in their hearts. I pray for soft hearts, for surrender. Jesus, finally, for those who have roots in this community and have been living in this community, God, would you give them a renewed sense of mission that they are also sent ones. Sent ones are not just those who go overseas. We all who've come to trust in you and believe in you are sent ones. We all are to be those with beautiful feet who bring good news. And so where do you want to send each of these people this week, this month, this next year, these, these next years to come? I pray specifically that you would give each person here a name and a face of someone that they know. Burden their hearts for that person that they may come to salvation. That they would be going, willing to go and share that good news with this particular person or people that you put on their hearts. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.